Welcome back, everybody. Yeah, this is Paint Information, and uh, this is our podcast. Episode not quite sure. I think it's 105 or 106, and there's a story behind that. Always a backstory. Well, uh, this is a episode that we're on the road, and I'm doing this in my car. Every other week, I go to the coast of North Carolina to a mental health hospital that we're developing for drug addiction and addiction uh, as it evolves into depression, and we also treat pain there. So pain, addiction, depression. It's one of the only types of hospitals that I'm aware of in the country that addresses those in a simultaneous, robust way. And we hope we really add a lot of value out there. Why is it where it is? Just south of Wilmington. And Wilmington is one of the top, uh, unfortunately, one of the top areas in the country. It was number one for misuse, abuse, and diversion. There's a lot of deaths out there. The other place I practiced around Hickory, North Carolina, was number five. I think it's dropped a little now. But there we are. Um, we are kind of in uh, the ground zero range of uh, where we need to be. And we're working real hard to try to get the area plugged into some help. There's help there. We just want to make this uh, a broad brushstroke of treatment. So what am I doing in a car? Well, the idea, Russell Brunson, he's a really great marketer. I listen to a lot of his stuff. Uh, Founder of ClickFunnels. He used to do a podcast called Marketing from a Car. Well, I'm uh, doing this podcast in my car because, uh, number one, it's a five-hour drive. Uh, Number two, I'm having a little bit of technical issues. And number three, I I just want to keep this podcast rolling. So I've got a number of guests I'm going to get up and get going with, and I'm going to talk about a few topics today almost in a veneer sense, uh, superficially, because I've got I've got a whole podcast or two or three or four ready to go, but they're behind room 48, a door I can't open. So what happened? Um, well, technical problems. So this is the deal. This is a concept, really, the concept of backup. I want folks to think about backing up their life because you don't know whatever is going to happen. You don't know when the arrow is going to hit you. Everybody's got an arrow in the air. You just don't know when it's going to hit you. It might be simple as something as simple as a myalgia or as complex as a cancer diagnosis. You just don't know. It's going to happen, though. Uh, some people are walking down the street and all of a sudden they experience chest pain. Well, guess what? Cardiovascular disease, you know, it can be silent. It can be a real problem. Now, they're off to the races. They've got to have their treadmill stress test, thallium, whatever it might be, follow up. Now they're on meds right out of the blue. Uh, It can be genetic. It can come with no warning. It can be a young individual. I was just listening to an individual who's in the podcasting space of health and wellness and she's 40 
mother too. She had a heart attack five years ago. Stuff happens. Okay? That's not doom and gloom. That's reality. So how do you back your life up? Well, you prepare. And even when you think you're really prepared and you got it all together, you can get blindsided. All right, case in point. I worked all Saturday, part of last week, on a number of presentations that are due next month. I'm going to speak at the uh, New York, New Jersey Society meeting and at a really fun meeting I love going to, really great people, the Southern Pain Society meeting. So podcasts are due, uh, and slideshow is due, so um, I'm all ready to go. Had a couple podcasts ready to go, slideshow, and let me tell you, putting together these PowerPoints is not easy. So there I am, and I like to sit outside with Kathy and the dogs. <clears throat> so when you got four dogs, you're outside a lot, especially when they're visualists, and we sit outside. It's summertime. It's a great time of year. And we just enjoy being together. Even though I'm working a little bit, it's not really work. I, I enjoy doing this stuff. I like to create. I like to be creative and I like to serve. And I think this is a good way I can get a message out in service. And hopefully we find a way to treat people maybe a little better. And collaboratively we talk and we develop... Um, new thoughts, new directions that keeps moving our specialty forward. Helps us be more creative. Helps with the differential diagnosis. I think you get it. So, okay, um, we're going to go in because it's starting to drizzle. And I pack my electronics up. I'm outside and uh, I help Kathy inside to the kitchen for some stuff and uh, get distracted, two phone calls, a couple of other things. Um, I forget. I forget my electronics. They're downstairs on the table, uh, unprotected. So what happens next? You got it. Downpour. And so I'm laying in bed and thinking, I can't find my cell phone. Where's my cell phone? Uh-oh. Yeah, went outside. There's a cell phone, and there's my laptop. My laptop is loaded with downloads, PowerPoints, thousands of slides, 23,000 pictures in Lightroom, and tons of intellectual property, Camtasia. I mean, I, I can go on and on and on. Well, Hans... Um, here's your laptop. So I open it up. It's four in the morning. And I hit the button. So guess what didn't happen? The hard drive didn't operate. And so, okay, I'm going to let it dry out. And hopeful, wishful thinking. Let it dry out. Let it dry out. Give it hours and hours and hours. So here I am four days later... And I've done a complete diagnostic on the entire computer. Everything works. It's a great Dell, except the hard drive. Everything's gone. So you say, Hans, you're a clever boy. You you back things up. Well, I do. I do regularly. In fact, I have a Drobo. If you don't know what a Drobo is, it's kind of a 
It's a RAID system where it's, uh, in my system, it has three redundant hard drives and it automatically backs your computer up every day. And it's very effective and you can hot swap out drives. If one goes bad, you got two others there. And I also bought, Kathy and I, a drive that is uh, portable. So if I just want to take the drive somewhere and piggyback in a computer, I can do that. And so I had it sitting up on the counter. I just bought it. So, yep, you guessed it. I did not back up my computer on the Drobo for about six months. I did not plug in the night before, literally the night before, the external removable hard drive. I lost six months. I lost uh, a whole bunch of stuff, including podcasts. So, we're doing a podcast in the car because I also lost my editing software. And you think, well, you, you clever boy, you have a copy of that somewhere, don't you? Yeah, I sure do. Um, where? Well, work in progress. We're going we're gonna to find it. We're going to find it. And I've got the chips with all my pictures on it, but I still have to reload them. That'll take hours. Um, it, it's the way it is. So things happen fast. And even though you think you've got everything under control and things are going smoothly and you're where you want to be in life, back your life up. And what do I mean by that? <clears throat> do you have money set aside uh, three months at least, to protect yourself if you have to be out. It's not just you know, a medical leave you might have to take. Your bills won't stop. I strongly urge you to consider that. Daily in my clinic, I see people that are significantly financially stressed. Hey, you know what? I do pro bono work all the time. I, If somebody needs help, hey, you know, I get, you know, I get whapped on the knuckles every once in a while for doing this. But you know, somebody needs help; they need help. Period. End of story. I'll do what I can to get them the medicines they need. In most cases, I can I can help them. Uh, samples are few, far between, and rare in pain management, by the way. But the point is this: Do you have a plan? Do you have a plan to back your life up so that? If something catastrophic happens to you, you just don't lose, in my case, six months. In your case, it, it could be um, it could be worse. Uh, I'm, I just strongly, strongly urge you to talk it over with somebody. Talk it over with your family members. What do you want them to do? You're in a car wreck on the way home. What do you want them to do? Where are the important uh, bills? What are the important bills? Where are the bank account numbers? Do you have a will? You better have a will. And, you know, declare yourself an organ donor or not. That's personal. But get a will. You don't want the courts figuring out where to go. Um, so, okay, I've, I've, like, beat that dead horse. So that's why... We're doing pain management in a car tonight. Um, I'm going to try to get this up through recovery software 
and keep the podcast going over the next few weeks as I uh, repair this little self-inflicted wound. I have no one to blame but myself. And Kathy looked at me and she said, I am so sorry. You could see the pain in her eyes. She's lost her computer before. Every hard drive goes out. Everybody has challenges in their life. Let's all have a plan. And um, I think I think I've kind of gone through that enough. So let me tell you about some other things I'm working on. Um, and I am going to hold off a sec. I've got to get off the highway. Catch you in a second. Okay, so one of the PowerPoints that I had together, um, uh, thanks for Sandy Silverman's help, and Sandy and I have talked about this a lot, is what's going on now with the CDC guidelines? Those of you in pain in the United States that are receiving pain medication, I don't know how it's going for you, but I think we're all starting to feel the unintentional consequences of this uh, CDC guideline that was put out. I did a podcast on it. It's still up. And I went through all 12 of the podcast um, points uh, on the CDC guidelines. And then let me tell you where we're at with some stuff. And then I'll put that podcast back together. Uh, and it's also going to be in the form of a, a uh um, yeah, yeah, somebody just coming out in the form of a PowerPoint. So I can put that up once I get Camtasia working. Um, and putting everything on a new platform and using a, a new uh, podcast platform as well. It's, we are seeing actual insurance companies now deny uh, access to pain medication. So take take Maine, for example. Anything over 100 milligram equivalents of morphine, they're not filling. That was unintended consequence. Remember, yes, there is increased potential for risk of death with escalated morphine. It's almost a parallel progression, but that's, that's an individual um, number that has a certain amount of credibility behind it, but it's not always literal, particularly in those that have a large volume of distribution, have a lot of tolerance. Uh, I certainly don't want to see somebody with a critical need, say from cancer pain, being denied access. I don't want to see certain people that had a high functional level uh, on medications being denied access simply because a number exists and uh, well-meaning intentions uh, weren't met with uh, good outcome. And so, in other words, uh, the adverse effect of the drug is that they couldn't be obtained. So let's take somebody with arachnoiditis or somebody that has failed back surgery syndrome. That 100 milligram equivalence was passed a long time ago and they might be getting ratcheted down we'll talk more about that i i think that yes it's a good idea to get a handle on opioids it's a real good idea and particularly those that are not trained as primary care where the cdc guidelines were directed do not have a lot of training in pain management if any and uh they 
they needed a little help with guidelines, but it shouldn't just spill over into all walks of medicine, and it's starting to do that. Don't think attorneys aren't taking a look at this stuff. Don't think that medical regulatory agencies aren't taking a look at this stuff. And I know, and I have personally felt, the push from payers. Yep, insurance companies. They may look at these guidelines as a tool to help with cost control, particularly with opioids. Okay, I kind of get that from a business standpoint. I don't get that from a physician standpoint. Uh, I want access to care. So more on that. All right. I've also asked about opioid trends and how do I pick a particular opioid to write. I'm not going to get into controlled substances in general. I'm just going to stay on opioids. And the CDC guidelines wants us to limit the immediate release, blah, 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 start there, but then go to extended release. Well, that's fine, but sometimes immediate release are a better chronic solution. And I will pick that chronic solution if a uh, a lollop or a little old lady in pain, for example, no disrespect, but some of my favorite patients, is limiting their exposure to medications to PRN. They don't need them all the time. They just need them every once in a while. And I'm not going to put them on a chronic long-term opioid with the opioids running around in their blood system 24-7 if they just need to take it PRN. That's what I want want folks to realize these drugs have a utility that is best determined by the physician in the patient's presence based on good history and physical and i choose based on their need others need a pharmacokinetically long-acting solution they need a long-acting opioid they really do because uh example today they are tired of the ups and downs, peaks, troughs, and certain types of the day or certain types of the night, they don't have enough coverage. They either wake up or um, they feel they need a breakthrough medicine, and that's not the direction we want to go. So how I pick, I individualize it. Uh, Probably do more on that later, but... It isn't just a blanket recommendation we need. We need a personalized recommendation. And so I look at the individual and their diagnosis. Let me tell you something. Low back pain is not a diagnosis. It's a symptom. Degenerative spinal disease is a diagnosis. So if I have somebody with a legitimate diagnosis and a legitimate need for pain control and I have established a good patient-physician relationship built on trust, then a pharmacokinetically long-acting agent, extended-release agent, is a good choice and can continue to be a good choice uh, in many situations, uh, particularly if they're going to be on on these drugs for a long time. But that lollop, give me that option. That's what I'm I'm thinking when I pick these drugs is, what am I going to do? Not now, but you've heard it. It's a broken record. Three, six, nine, 12 months. Uh, What am I thinking of? Where am I headed? Okay. Next. Benzos, barbs, um, well, you know, these other 
controlled substances. The CDC guidelines wants us to be extremely careful or eliminate benzos when we're using opioids. And I completely agree with that. And Sandy made a very, very good point. He asked a, a coroner, when somebody dies from a drug overdose and the drug screen comes back, opioids, benzos, a little alcohol, maybe a little barbiturate, um, what'd they die from? And the coroner goes, I don't know. Um, and... I believe that any pathologist would say, I don't know. That's a combination of drugs, and they're all a problem. And they have to be used with respect. And I, today, just today, I had six, count them, six inappropriate drug screens. One was heroin. Uh, so we got a big problem. Uh, we're, we have to put in best practice in a very challenging environment that is now being pressured by the opioid epidemic. Let me let me talk for a second about the opioid epidemic, okay? True or false? Opioid prescriptions are um, increasing and so are the deaths. False. Opioid prescriptions are flat and dropping. So why are there 100 deaths a day? And... Why do the overdose deaths seem to keep creeping up? What is it? It's heroin. Yep, it's heroin, heroin fentanyl, heroin carfentanil. Uh, go visit Grey Death, one of my other podcasts. But that's the deal. Uh, we are not writing as many opioids, but we're still writing too many. We are still writing combination controlled substances too often and hopefully we can get the benzo load down there's just no place for benzodiazepines anywhere uh in pain medicine i just i i can see clonopin for some neuropathic problems uh maybe uh but we got better choices i can see i don't know um benzos from time to time being used but not over a prolonged period of time. So yesterday, uh, or I guess Friday, I had somebody that was on uh, Xanax for 15 years. 15 years. What am I going to do with that? So, you know, I guess it's just everybody's got to buy into the fact that we have better choices. We can treat anxiety, PTSD, uh, et cetera, better. Okay. So, okay. I think uh, I, I think I'm going to go ahead and uh, wrap it up here, and I'm going to try to get this one out uh, within the next 24 hours. So yeah, I'm I'm bored to death. I'm get, I'm prepping for the boards again. I have to take another set of boards. Um, we I passed the uh, addiction boards a few years ago, and they decided to go ahead and. Um, Ask my wife, go. Uh, they decided to go ahead and uh, give the or the addiction boards to another entity, and I got to take them again in the under that other entity. So I got to study again for the boards. So uh, I'll be talking probably a lot about addiction because uh, 
Uh, I'm going to be getting smart again uh, prior to taking these boards again. And uh, so we'll have a lot of those topics coming up, no doubt. And I do have retained my interviews. And I have a, a fascinating interview on fentanyl. Unfortunately, the doctor passed away, and that's a, that's a story that I'm going to um, hopefully memorialize him uh, in such a positive way. Um, within the next month or two. I want that to be a real special podcast. That was a real contributor to medicine. So that's coming up. And uh, I have a couple other other podcasts. If you go to ASIPP.org, that's a great source of information. You can go to the journal. You can pull up out any journal article you want. And it's free. It's not like PubMed. Uh, And... You can search it, uh, you know, search my last name, Hanson. I got a bunch in there, too. And you can look at the guidelines, and you can kind of see the opioid guidelines and what works, doesn't work. I'm telling you, it's, uh, it'll put you to sleep. It's a huge document, but it is a relevant document, particularly if you're on opioids. It's a good idea to learn what you're putting in your mouth, ASIPP.org, and check that out. Okay, no music this time. That's... Uh, <laughs> that's just something for another day and it's this the good thing about this is it's going to force me to get uh better music and hopefully uh <laughs> pay a little more attention to backup so all right uh, i'd appreciate a review at itunes um i cannot tell you how much that helps us rank other people finding this show i don't know their algorithm it's it's a mystery to me but uh every time i get a new review uh, i pop up in the rankings just one and I'm going to start giving away T-shirts or whatever it takes to start getting reviews. Uh, and it's simply to have people find me because in the world of podcasting, uh, there's so many podcasts out there. It's it's hard to find people. So tell your friends, neighbors, your physicians, your providers. Um, you know, talk to your dog about the podcast. Put some ear, earphones on your dog, and uh, I appreciate it. So, anyway, uh, any suggestions? Uh, Paininformation.com. Uh, go there and leave me a suggestion of any topic you want or ask me a question. I've answered uh, a bunch of questions offline and a couple online, and I will be happy to help. So, have a great day and summer. Oh, she be waning, but. Uh, Yeah, we got a few weeks left. Enjoy it.